I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin Golf. Logistics, Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar. As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Oh, it's a rewind. Monday, May 16th, 2022. Warn the battle. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. The podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you got here, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. Well, I just got back into the studio, into the home studio, uh, just this last Friday, which means I had to make a rewind this week. And since the week I left was the NFL draft, which was the the week of this recording, uh, the week after the NFL draft. And a lot of NFL team fan bases generally had positive feelings about their draft picks this, this year from what I saw, uh, mainly because I think nobody really knows what to make of this year's draft. We're going to revisit an interview with a veteran that had one of the best stories after an NFL draft. Nate Boyer was an Army veteran, a Green Beret, who was offered an undrafted free agent contract with the Seattle Seahawks as a 34-year-old rookie. He has since become a large member of the veteran community, and he has been involved with many veteran nonprofits, including Merging Vets and Players, Warrior Rising, and Battlefields to Ballfields, to name just a few. So for this week, we're going to revisit Army veteran Nate Boyer. Enjoy. That's going to the one decision that we all have in common as veterans. That's the decision to join the United States military. Uh, bring us back to that day for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I made the decision to join the military when I was uh, stricken with malaria on my deathbed. In my mind, I thought it was on my deathbed anyway. In, uh, in Chad, a uh, neighboring country to the Sudan, in... Uh, along the Darfur region in 2004, I was over there doing some relief work for a couple of months. And I just felt like, I don't know. I gained my pay. I kind of gained my patriotism over there and felt like it was, uh, something that, that I don't know. It's not something I always wanted to do certainly, but it was something that I just felt inspired to do, uh, in that, in that point in my life. And, uh, I was, uh, you know, I, sort of gained my patriotism in Africa, which is ironic because it's so far from America. But uh, those people over there, just how grateful they were that an American would leave what he has here to go over there and, and sort of fight for them was uh, inspiring to me. I mean, the kind of gratitude I was shown uh, just made me really want to, you know, to defend what we have here, but continue to fight for those that can't fight for themselves in places like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess just, I don't know. We're in a time of war and it just felt like it was the right time for me. So that's really what inspired me. 
That's awesome. I think you touched on it right there on, on the people you interacted with, but can you, can you just expand a little bit more on like how, like what, what do you remember like a particular experience that you had that made you like all of a sudden feel that, that, that uh, feeling of patriotism? Uh, I mean, j- just the conversations I had with the people over there that, uh, like I said, they were just so grateful that I would, I would leave somewhere like this to go over there. So, so somewhere like that and uh volunteer you know and i mean and that's essentially what you do in the military and i i know it was just like this moment of clarity when i was sick uh i was listening to the bbc radio uh while i was laid up in that bed and, and like the first battle of fallujah was going on and uh so it was like like the play the play-by-play on the bbc uh, of like what was going on and uh just thinking about these you know young men that were over there uh risking and, and some losing their lives, uh, for, for freedom. It just, I don't know. I, I wanted to kind of earn my, earn my patriotism and, you know, essentially earn my stripes as we say in the military. Yeah. Can you, so the, the name of the, the show is born the battle and, and, um, we understand that every, you know, military service member has their own <laughs> challenge in the military. So can you, uh, just briefly describe or point out one, uh, battle or challenge that you had during your service, whether that be literal combat or, um, another, uh, challenge that you had during your service? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of challenges. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one to, to tell a lot of war stories. That's not really my thing, but I, you know, I'll, I, I will talk about the, uh, I mean, just be, trying to become a Green Beret is very challenging in itself. And, uh, there's battles you go, they go on in your mind every day, you know, and that, that, uh, feeling like you want to quit and that you're not, uh, you're not cut out for this. It creeps in often, man. And, uh, I think everybody that serves at an elite level like that has had that moment where they had to sort of make that choice, uh, to just push on and, and tough it out and, you know, ignore the pain at, at some level or at least recognize the pain and push through anyway, uh, or just quit. And, uh, for me, I guess the first, the first time that sort of popped up was just in basic training. I mean, when I joined, I was not in good shape. I was, not a physical uh, specimen by any means. I was not an athlete, none of that stuff. And uh, I, I just, probably three days into basic training, I was just, you know, one of the slowest and weakest in the class. And I remember thinking, there's just no way I'm going to make it. There's no way I'm going to become a Green Beret. This is impossible. Uh, it's awesome, though. I'm in the military, you know, I'll still get to serve and uh, I'll probably be an amateur or something. But uh, I just, I'm just too, uh, too weak for this. And, uh, and then I just, I don't know. I remember just looking around the, the other guys in my class around me and noticing that they were all struggling too. <laughs> they were all suffering too. And that we were not alone in this deal. And, uh, I, I just, I just sort of, I don't know, like in that moment, just remember shifting my thought and thinking, you know what, if I just outwork every single person in this room, um, I'll at least give myself an opportunity to get through it and, uh, and to complete all the courses. Yeah. And, and so I started to challenge myself, you know, I mean, some days I would, I would go out to the, to the track when we had a, a free hour or two in basic. And I would like do like a mile of lunges or something ridiculous that I didn't think I could complete some sort of a challenge that even I thought was, you know, beyond my uh, capacity and, and I complete it. And then I would challenge myself in another way the next day and just sort of, 
keep hitting those little benchmarks. And sooner or later, you know, I'm in the Q course, I'm in selection, and I'm not going to say it was easy, but I just felt this confidence and uh, belief that I could I could get through it. I could I could do anything at that point. Yeah. So then, um, what uh, what then prompted? Uh, I should say, what, what year did you join? Two thousand. I signed up in two thousand four. Went to basic in early two thousand five. Gotcha. And then, um, and then when when did you transition out? And what prompted that transition? I transitioned out of the military in uh, two thousand, really two thousand and fifteen. I mean, I I went from uh, active duty to the Texas National Guard in 2010. Um, and at that time, I went to uh, enroll at the University of Texas. And even though I'd, I'd never played football in my entire life, uh, I decided that I was going to I was going to walk onto the team and at least try out. And uh, and so I said, yeah, in 2010, I, I, I came off of active duty, went back to college at the University of Texas, and um, moved to Austin the day before my birthday. And two days before classes started and three days before tryouts started and just sort of, you know, open that chapter uh, all of a sudden. That's awesome. And wait, so what did you, did you um, leave active duty for the opportunity to go to college? Yeah. I mean, my enlistment was up. I had the, I had a choice to either, you know, reenlist for uh, a number of, of more years or go to school. And I was 29 at the time. And I just felt like if I don't, go to college now, I probably never will in my, for my, in my personal experience. So I just felt like it was the right time to do that. And, and, you know, I was fortunate to be able to stay and continue to serve through the guard. And I went back to Afghanistan a couple of times during, uh, during the summers between uh, football and school and all that. Um, so, I, so I got to keep serving, which I loved. And, uh, but yeah, I just felt like there was, it was kind of a now or never moment. Yeah. So when you, when you, um, when you transition and, and I ask this because, uh, we know a lot of veterans, uh, experience this. Did you, uh, did you, did you, um, did you experience any sort of emotional dilemma during your transition after the military? I think everybody does. Anybody that tells you that's either lying, tells you that they're not, is either lying or, uh, sort of ignoring it or they just, or maybe their service didn't mean something special, but, um, yeah, I think we all face that a uh, 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 dilemma. I think anybody, just human beings, in their in any transition they have in their life, any difficult sort of plot point in the story where uh, there's a dra- dramatic uh, change in, in habits and in structure and all that. So, yeah, I mean it's it, it, it's interesting because you can you can look at it in, in several different ways. I mean, you can look at it in the, from the standpoint as okay, now I'm alone, nobody's taking care of me. I got to figure it all by myself. You know, I have no team. I have no locker room. I have no brotherhood anymore. Or like, okay, I have all these skills I've acquired. Um, and I know how to work together with the team. I know how to um, take orders and, and deliver a, a product, whether it's on the battlefield, battlefield or not. Um, and now this is a new chapter and I am, uh, it's going to be a little more, self-reliant at this point, but, uh, you know, I can go follow whatever dreams I have and pursue any avenue I want to pursue now. Um, given the information that I've, uh, learned over the last several years and, you know, so how can I maximize my potential now? Uh, and I felt like I had that 
that way of thinking behind me. And maybe that was a, a product of a lot of the, the men and women I served around that were just go-getters and, and people that, uh, you know, were, were willing to sacrifice and, and volunteer multiple volunteers for not just the military, but the special operations community and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I just felt like this is a great opportunity. This is a new chapter. It's a blank page and, uh, I can, I can write whatever I want on it. And, and that was, a uh, I don't know. It was a good feeling to have. It was a, definitely a very different feeling than when I transitioned into the military. You, uh, so you transitioned, you, you went to college at, uh, university of, of Texas. You played on their football team. You had a short stint with my beloved Seattle Seahawks as a long snapper there. Um, and now, um, you know, I know a lot of people recognize, uh, your name, uh, with, recent topics um and for those that are listening wondering uh what's going to be discussed we're not uh but the reason why i wanted to have you on nate is because you are involved in a number of other things that i think are are really important and, and really interesting that may get lost uh amidst the uh the current news so um the first thing i want to talk to you about is water boys and um and I remember you and I actually uh, did an interview a couple years ago on a podcast called Fuelful Warriors, and I think Waterboys was just sort of uh, starting up at that point. But um, can you briefly just describe to the audience the the mission of Waterboys and um, what uh, how you know um, the impact that that's having? Yeah, well, Waterboys was started by Chris Long, who is now a defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a St. Louis Ram for eight years. Uh, Patriot last year and won the uh, Super Bowl, and now he's he's maybe Super Bowl bound again with the Eagles. But he went over to uh, Tanzania, I believe, in 2013 on a trip uh, with some other NFL players. And upon leaving, he just he knew he wanted to do something to to help those those people, you know, especially the the Maasai tribes that live out there in, in the bush in Tanzania. Such a beautiful culture. Um, amazing people for the most part it's a very friendly nation uh you know they they're they're they have their different tribes and diversity and all that but they all kind of get along and accept each other so uh but one of their biggest issues and problems is lack of clean water you know they don't have those simple things uh you know education many of the other things are also challenges and issues but clean water sort of feeds it all uh the actual the most popular saying in tanzania is maji ni uhai which means um, water is life. And without it, I mean, it, it, it affects obviously your livestock, your crops, uh, if you're a farmer, um, your family, everything. I mean, it's just this crazy snowball effect. So he wanted to do something to give back. So he started this water boys initiative, which essentially the, the uh, original goal was to dig 32 wells representing the 32 NFL teams. And he's going to raise money through the locker rooms and fan bases uh, of these franchises to, to put the wells in the ground. And then he reached out to me after I got uh, released from the Seahawks and I wanted to know if I wanted to be involved in some way. And, and I, I said, yeah, but can I do something that involves veterans as well? And he thought that was a great idea. So he came up with this, this plan, this idea to take wounded vets uh, up with, alongside NFL players to climb Mount Kilimanjaro every year. And in the process, we would raise money for these wells. Um, and so we've, we've gone two years the last two years, we're going again this year, uh, coming up in February. And uh, so far, we've been able to be a part of, of putting four wells in the ground through that program. And um, I think we're two or three shy from that original goal of 32, which will be really cool to 
kind of cap off this year and uh, and then we'll set new goals. It's really exciting. I love it. Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. Um, the, I think it's interesting. Like clean water, it, it still blows my mind that um, and you know this first world problems, right? It blows my mind that this is still such a huge concern in parts of the world, right? And I think it's um, you know unfortunately, I think it's something that's often sort of overlooked in um, in you know efforts uh, like charitable efforts and stuff like that. I don't think that efforts like this get spotlighted enough, considering how important it is just for you know like you know water is life, like how important it is to to be able to deliver that resource to people. Right. No, it's really, it's, 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 inc- it's incredible. I mean, it, that, that, like you said, like that kind of, I guess, injustice in a way still exists and that, you know, we do have our problems here in, in the first world in America and a lot of places and there's, it's, we're not perfect and we need to always strive to improve, but we do need to remember how incredibly fortunate we are to live in a place that has things like this. And when, 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 you know, moments in our history, like even recently in Flint, Michigan, you know, where they had, a water crisis for for a time, and it, and it may still be going on. And and that's 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 a my bad on me for not being more socially aware about that. But like that that this in much of the world is a is a constant. It's not just a you know a one time thing or a, a for a short period of time. It's always like these people have never had it, you know, for as long as they've been alive. And uh, and it's and, and much of the world, billions of people. I'll suffer from that. And it's pretty, it's, it's just, it's really, un, it's hard to believe, but it's a, it's an opportunity as well for us. Um, not only as Americans, but especially I think as veterans to continue to fight for something, you know, and find a way to, to keep serving that may not mean picking up a gun and, you know, going to war. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a war on clean water. Uh, but we, 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 we embrace those challenges. We love that that opportunity to serve again. And we love that, that sense of purpose Yeah, and to see all these people, you know, athletes as well. When we go over there, not only to climb, but to be able to go to these well sites and visit the people. They usually do a big dedication ceremony when they, when they open the well up uh, to the community and thousands of people will travel for miles and miles around to come to it. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty special, man. It's uh, uh, the way that everyone lights up and just, you know, feels like they just were really part of something huge and a big life changing experience for so many people. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So the other the other project that uh, I know you're involved in that I'm less familiar with is emerging vets and players. Can you tell us about this? Yeah. So MVP was started by uh, uh, myself and uh, Jay Glazer, and we we came up with this concept, you know, based on conversations that we had uh, where we were noticing the similarities between uh, combat veterans and professional athletes once they transition out of their, their role, um, you know, and that, that uniform comes off and the, and the, that feeling like you'll never do anything as important as you did before. And you lose that, you lose that team um, and that, that structure and, and, and purpose. I mean, it always comes back to purpose. Um, it's, it's can be hard. You know, it can be really difficult to, to kind of move forward um, in a positive way and to, uh, continue to, uh, I don't know, find, find, uh, find purpose, find challenges and find ways to uh, make a difference and, and feel like you really fit in, you know? And so we developed this concept that was bringing, it was literally merging veterans and, uh, players together, um, and to, to help them kind of push past that and, 
remember who they are and not just identify with what they were. Um, and, and it's been amazing, man. I mean, to see these guys, you know, grow through our program and, and every, every week we meet in a gym and we work out together and then we kind of sit around and coach each other up and it's just peer to peer counseling. And there's no, there's no magic beans. It's just all about community um, and, and being there for one another and, and saving each other essentially. And, and, and to see all these, these people jump at the chance to go serve again in, in, uh, in the wake of uh, Hurricane Harvey. You know, we had 12 of them that just left what they were doing, left their jobs, left uh, their families to go volunteer and sort of deploy again, and, and including a couple athletes. And it was just really special to be a part of that and um, to watch to watch people sort of develop in that way. And you know, I'm, I'm just really proud to, to be a part of the program. Yeah. I think, and you said that you deployed in, in um, supportive – uh, relief for Hurricane Harvey. Um, I think that's how you and I uh, got reconnected. Was uh, I believe a colleague of mine uh, was down there as well, um, and you, you were down there with Team Rubicon. Is that right? I was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, our our vets from MVP they went separately on their own. They spent a lot longer time than I did. I mean, I was just down there for a couple days uh, down in Rockport. Uh, they were they went up to Houston for a couple weeks, and uh, yeah, the you know what. Uh, what I was able to do with team Rubicon was just really, really special. I mean, I, you know, I, I went, uh, I, I went down to, to Rockport, a good friend of mine is from down there and, um, you know, her family had, had experienced quite a, quite a bit of loss and, you know, her, you know, her brother's a high school quarterback down there. And, um, it was just, it was just really interesting to see, uh, all of that and really, uh, really sad, but also really inspiring to see like communities come together and people kind of come out of, come from all over the world, <laughs> all over the country to, to, to aid, you know, I mean, my team with Rubicon was, was, uh, half a dozen, uh, veterans from different branches. And some of them were, you know, living out in El Paso. Some of them were way back in the Northeast and, you know, firefighters now and doing different things. And, and we all just kind of immediately, Embraced one another, started making fun of one another and, you know, cracking jokes and having a good time while we're cleaning up the rubble uh, from these, this neighborhood, you know, and, and helping these people out that weren't insured. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's just like, it feels like you're just right back, uh, right back on a mission overseas and you're with a new, uh, you're new with a new squad maybe. And, um, you know, we, we all just kind of mesh together. Uh, and I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see veterans. Uh, in those sort of situations, how uh, how we respond uh, versus I think the civilian world where it's it's a very different uh, <laughs> it's a very different reaction to to crisis I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nate, just a couple uh, quick questions. Um, the first, um, what is a, what is something that you gained from your military experience, whether it be a skill set, a discipline, or a new talent, a new way of thinking, whatever it may be, that you believe is contributing to your success today? Uh, resiliency, you know, I mean, knowing that you just got to stay the course when you commit to something and, uh, trust, trust, I guess the process, I, I kind of hate saying the word process, but life is, is that, you know, understanding that there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but just to keep chipping away at it and keep grinding and keep your head down and keep your mouth shut, uh, and outwork everybody. And those are all things that I learned in the military. If I didn't have that time in, man, I have no idea where I'd be. I certainly wouldn't be uh, achieving 
very much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's it's just really wild to kind of look back on it and remember where I was 13 years ago before I signed up and and feel about you know re- remember where I'm at now and, and notice the the mindset and um, sort of the the willingness to accept challenges and and then seek them out. Uh, continually over and over again. That's all. That's all attributed to my to my time in the in the, in the military and the and the men and women I served alongside and, and those that inspired me and and also those that aren't here anymore. You know those that we've lost. Honoring them. I mean that's what it's all about for me too. Is um, this is an opportunity to um, to live you know to live for them that legacy uh, of, of those that didn't come back. I think more than anything, they would just want us to make it count, you know, with our lives. They would want us to make their death count and stand for something. And so it's, it's on us. It's our responsibility to do that, you know, to, to pick up that slack and, uh, and sort of, yeah, make it count for them. And I have to remember that every day. I think we all do when things get hard and and you want to sort of throw in the towel or take the easy way, you know, uh, We've got to think of those people, you know, imagine if you had another five minutes with them and look them in the eye and tell them that you were uh, calling it is something you probably wouldn't do, you know, and I think, I think that's an important thing to remember. And uh, yeah, I mean, in a sense, we're, we're fighting for them too, as we continue to live our lives. And I'm just fortunate to have another day every morning and uh, I, I want to take advantage of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, last question, Nate. I know we mentioned uh, a lot of good organizations here with what you're doing with uh, Water Boys and, and merging vets and players. We mentioned Team Rubicon and the, the great efforts they have. Um, give me one more veteran or veteran organization that you're familiar with that has you exciting excited about what they're doing right now. Um, I would say I would say Warrior Rising. I don't know if you've heard of this. I mean, there's I think a few organizations are doing something similar, but. Um, I have a personal connection with them. I know these guys well. Uh, what they're doing is supporting veteran entrepreneurs. You know, I think there's there's so many different phases to that transition that are important. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about purpose, you know, finding what your purpose is. We talk about service, um, you know, being able to continue to, to serve the rest of our lives. We are men and women of service once we put that uniform on and we always will be moving forward. Um, but also... I think innovate, you know, being innovators, and I, I, I always believe that the veteran community is going to be the ones that bring our country back together, you know, and re kind of reunite us through this hard time. Uh, but also, uh, continue to change the world uh, moving forward, and that means the business world as well, because that that is something that is very important in this country. You know, I, I think a lot of the world looks to us uh, for innovation and looks to us uh, for leadership and, and we we have all those skills we have all that background and we have a lot of dreams we know we're uh we're a very we're a high achieving group uh the veteran community but also um we've got lofty goals you know and, and we've got crazy ideas and, and we think out of the box as well a lot, of, a lot of times people don't put us in in that category or think of us in that way but that's that's absolutely who we are and so warrior rising is they're supporting uh, these veterans through their, their entrepreneurial ideas and their entrepreneurial dreams and helping them uh, find ways to, to reach those goals through mentorship, uh, but also um, through, you know, through fundraising and giving these, giving these people a chance, giving these people an opportunity um, to really go after it and, 
and I think that's really important. And, and, and uh, yeah, I'm very, very blessed to just be a part of that group and know those guys. Well, uh, you know, it was started by a former, uh, a uh, friend of mine, well, not a former friend of mine. He's a current friend of mine. <laughs> he was a former uh, 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 Green Beret, and and uh, you know he's he's all about his brothers. He's all about the brotherhood, and uh, yeah, it's really it's really special to watch to see him. The stuff he's kind of had to overcome in his own life, uh, you know, with some health stuff, and and for him to just keep keep pushing and um, and really support. You know, his, his brothers and sisters, not just the, the ones that wore the green beanie, but uh, ones that, that wore any uh, shady camouflage. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's special, man. I'm, uh, once again, I'm just, I'm just a fortunate person. I'm just very grateful. I mean, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving this week, and, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for all those people in my life that have, you know, just helped shape me and, and continued to give me uh, opportunities and, and, and mentorship and, and friendship. Yeah, Nate, uh, such great words. I appreciate your all your, your thoughts and um, your insights on great organizations and your service tr- transition. I know veterans really, uh, really appreciate this sort of insights to another veteran's experience, maybe, maybe uh, especially from one that they, uh, that they, they see, you know, in the news and social media often to get, to get your perspective. I think that's uh, really valuable for them. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Thank you for your service. And, and of course, thank you for your continued contribution to the veteran space. Thank you uh, very much, Tim. I really appreciate that. Thanks for uh, putting our stories out there and giving us all a voice, man. The VA does a very good job on the medical side. I don't know of anybody that has any complaints. My primary care doctor is probably the best doctor I've ever had in my life. He was one of my friends, good patient of mine. He only comes once a week. But I do. I enjoy him. She comes in special. Yes, I do. Early in the morning. For me. That's exactly why I choose VA. Choose VA today. Visit VA.gov. want to thank Tim and Nate for bringing us that conversation. For more information on what Nate Boyer is doing now, you can read a bio of his at vetsandplayers.org forward slash bios forward slash Nate hyphen Boyer. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by the way of VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our social media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and with a blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate the veteran in your life by emailing in a bio and about five pictures to newmedia at va.gov. Ken Casanega was born in February of 1921 in California and was raised by a single mother during the Great Depression. He played football at Castlemont High School and Santa Clara University, starting at halfback. He was also part of the 1937 and 1938 Sugar Bowl winning teams. He played against future Army veteran Jackie Robinson in a game against UCLA in 1940. One thing about Castaneda said about Robinson was he was the only guy he couldn't catch. With the first pick in the third round of the 1942 NFL Draft, the Steelers selected Casanega, however, with World War II in full swing, he turned down the offer and joined the Navy. Following flight training, Casanega served on aircraft carriers in the Atlantic and Pacific. He flew missions over the Philippines and around Japan. During one flight after his wing was shot, he narrowly avoided ejecting and landed on a different nearby carrier. 
During his service, he received a distinguished flying cross for one of his missions and was honorably discharged from the Navy in 1945. Following his discharge, Castaneda returned to football. He became one of the original San Francisco 49ers, playing in the team's inaugural 1946 season following his wartime service. Playing in the All-America Football Conference, Castaneda intercepted eight passes and scored two touchdowns as a two-way player. The team finished 9-5, second to the Cleveland Browns. He also played one game in 1948. Santa Clara inducted Castaneda into the Hall of Fame in 1965. He later became Napa High School principal and school superintendent for Hollister School District, both which are in California. He also served as an honorary team captain twice for the 49ers, calling the coin toss at alumni games. Unfortunately, Ken recently passed away on October 10th of 2021 at the age of 100. He was the last living member of the original San Francisco 49ers, and he is survived by Helen, his wife of 78 years. Army veteran Ken Casanega. We honor his service. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. Ready. Hey. Five. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future Born in the Battle veteran of the week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born in the Battle veteran of the week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app, note of phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I say that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, and was written by Marine veteran Mark McKilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly day and night. Brain simplified till we die another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Point, click, pull the trigger to the tune of falling brass. Russian-made bullet in my back Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gunner Bullets fly, day and night brain Simplified, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one